Welcome to Group Thinkers. I'm your host, Justin Ford. With me as always is Ronnie Richard. Group Thinkers is the podcast from RKD Group. On each and every episode, we welcome someone from uh, that's connected. I have to, to, to accentuate that uh, as we talk about our guest today, that's connected to the nonprofit space. And, uh, and we have actually been the one to connect our guest to the nonprofit space today. And that's Alan Cole from Full Stack Economics. Alan, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Hey, we're we're excited to talk to you. My first question for you is: How does one become an economist? Like, what what is what's the path? Like, how how did you find yourself into this uh, into this space? There are a few different kind of uh, varieties of economists. Some are in the business, the private sector, working on some sort of microeconomic thing involving particular business, how customers respond to change in prices, for example, would be a price elasticity. That might be something you'd hire an economist to calculate. There are also ones in private business who work on forecasting, figuring out how much overall demand there will be, how many new jobs there will be. There are some who work in different government spaces on things like public finance, um, how do you raise tax revenue? And that's kind of where most of my background is. Uh, but I also dabble in things like monetary policy. And for, for that kind of job, you're kind of sometimes in government, sometimes in think tanks. Um, and that's mostly my background. I come most recently from the Joint Economic Committee, which is a kind of Congress's own miniature think tank. And then I've been at Think tanks prior to that. Well, we're uh, we're thrilled to know you and uh, and thrilled to be able to chat with you today. You know, uh, we have been uh, in the midst of a series on the supply chain as it impacts the nonprofit marketing space, right? And uh, and so this is somewhat new territory for nonprofit marketers, but we are in a in an extended season of new territory as it were over the last you know 20 uh, going on 24 months now of the pandemic and and uh and its impact on us and so you know really what we want to talk about today alan with you is um understand at a broader scale the you know talk about this uh, you know about the supply chain and relate it back to what we're seeing in the the nonprofit marketing space. And so thanks again for being here. Just our, our listeners so that they know Alan and and his wife uh, just recently welcomed a new little one. So he is uh, in the fog of war of fatherhood. And uh, and so uh, he's taking time away today with a little one that's 17 days old uh, to join us. And, and we're really thrilled. So supply chain. I did not enter 2021 thinking I was going to use that phrase at all, much less as much as I have. So can you give us a, a, you know, can you give us a little background and insight into your perspective on not only where we are now, but when did you first begin noticing a problem with the supply chain? There are two kinds of problems that are going on with businesses struggling to meet customer demand. The first is that customers just have a lot of money right now. And the second is that they're demanding different things than they did back in 2019. And both of these are challenging for businesses to meet. And especially challenging because it's very different from the last recession. And I and a lot of other people, I think, were expecting more of a sort of recovery from the last recession, which 
people did not have a lot of money to spend on consumer goods. Firms only slowly ramped up over a very long period of time. It took 10 years to recover. But we're doing something different now. And part of that is COVID-19. And part of that is policy circumstances. COVID-19 obviously caused a lot of things to be shut down. Uh, that was kind of the, the genesis of the recession. And we thought perhaps it was going away um, as of early 2021. Um, we had the vaccines rolling out. Uh, things were generally kind of looking up. And that brought back a whole rush of demand, uh, not only because people were ready to spend again, but also because a lot of them had saved money during the pandemic. Even the people who had lost their jobs during the pandemic were often supported through either the Paycheck Protection Program or pandemic unemployment insurance. And in all of those cases, money was more plentiful in the aggregate for people. Uh, maybe some people were worse off financially, but overall the fiscal support was huge from three consecutive uh, support packages for people. So people had a ton of money and they're ready to spend it again. Maybe we haven't recovered from COVID-19 as much as would like, but nonetheless, I think a lot of people are looking for a return to normal. But there's a caveat to normal. People are spending more, but the composition of their spending has changed. They're looking more for goods they can enjoy at home. Um, they're looking for more for physical stuff that they can bring home with them, much less for services, things where you go out, where you see people out in the world. And that probably reflects somewhat the fact that we're not entirely done with this. Perhaps some activities are still canceled and others aren't really the same or aren't as fun as they were before uh, because of, of the precautions you have to take. And, and this, the is, this that, is really a, a consumer insight that you're speaking to of looking for goods, right? Looking for those things that we can enjoy. That's a consumer insight, not necessarily a business insight because the consumer insight drives how the business responds to it. Right. So businesses are kind of hit with the this triple whammy of maybe they thought that the recovery was going to be slow and they didn't work that hard to retain staff going into 2021. So they have to ramp up quickly. They also were geared for a different demand mix in 2019 uh, than uh, they ended up having in 2021. And finally, uh, customers just have a lot of money. They're spending a lot. Actually, they're spending more than as if this whole thing never happened. And I think a lot of economists predicted they would spend less, but because of the generous fiscal support, they've been able to spend more. So firms are kind of straining on three different fronts right now. So, you know, when we talk about economics, we often talk about supply and demand, and you just illustrated it very well there. Supply is struggling to keep up with demand. In, in your mind, like what is exactly taking so long for the supply to catch up to the increased demand that consumers are showing? Is it is it just this long tail aspect we're looking at that it just it, it just cannot move fast? I mean, like just why why are we in this spot where it just it's taking so long to, to catch up? I would say this actually isn't very long uh, with respect to how the economy usually undergoes changes or usually deals with changes in the composition of demand. For example, if you think about a classic change in the economy, say the shift over from rental video to streaming services, there there was a good seven years in there. And that was just, you know, one 
sector of the economy and, and you know, Netflix hit on the idea early, Hulu a little bit early, Disney kind of in the middle, and then Paramount Plus and and Peacock TV came kind of everything that I have a that. subscription to. Every you're naming every app that is on my TV. You're just yeah. you're going one by one through each of them. Uh, but there was kind of a, a reasonably long adjustment period, and obviously that was kind of one of the most disrupted center uh, sectors of the economy. And you know that's just one. And here, what we had is everything got disrupted at once. There are tons of uh, industries that are changing things or undergoing something completely different, or there, there are tons of industries that have still contracted and others that need to expand. And all of it's happening at once and all of it's happening over you know, only a couple of years. And um, there are reasons that you can't just look at the economy like, like unallocated labor can kind of go anywhere and build anything. It actually takes time for you to adjust from one style of demand to another. And I think this is further complicated by the fact that perhaps at least for a while, certainly as of March 2020, maybe even as of December 2020, we thought at some point everything's going to go back to exactly as normal. So there's perhaps no point in changing. Um, there's no point in changing how we produce things because in not too long, maybe 2021 or 2022, we'll look more or less like 2019. So some of the workers and firms that are sitting idle right now, rather than re-employing themselves into uh, the sectors with high demand, they should just sit tight and wait for this all to be over. But as this all drags on, I think it, it's time to reevaluate that sum, at least for, for some of the firms that are hardest hit um, and for some of the sectors that need the most help right now, um, some real, reallocation of resources may be worth it. One of the areas where the nonprofit industry itself has been hit more than than others, I mean, there's, there's a couple. There's um, certainly an economy to the volunteer space. And so the demand for volunteers has remained high, but because of the pandemic and health precautions from, you know, city to city, state to state, and organization to organization, there's been this incredibly high demand, but then a low volume of volunteers. And so that's caused nonprofits to many times adjust the way that, the way that they address their own workloads, right? Because they rely on volunteers to accomplish certain tasks on their behalf. Uh, and so that's, that's a, a real life uh, example. Another way uh, you know, we work with with food banks. And so the the cost of goods increasing, particularly with food and, you know, for food banks that rely on not just donated goods, but also rely on the ability to uh, to secure uh, food and uh, and and supplies to distribute to those who are in the, the most need. Now, all of a sudden, their dollar is not going as far. Uh, and so that's another area where nonprofits have been impacted by this. And then the third uh, that from a, a marketer standpoint is the, you know, the the raw materials, both from paper goods and adhesives to be able to produce marketing messages that are sent through uh, through the mail. And so there's an increase in costs, but then there's also uh, a massive, uh, there has been a significant 
shortage of supply of those paper goods. And as I understand it, some of that, it backs into exactly what you're saying, is that uh, that at one point in 2020, there were manufacturers that not only were they short-staffed, but they were shifting to more production of cardboard to assist with the increase in demand for uh, you know businesses like Amazon, who are shipping at astronomical rates versus producing the other paper goods like envelopes, et cetera. And so it's really interesting the way that this all kind of collides and creates uh, a a tough space for uh, a nonprofit marketer. Um, How long how long should we expect this to last? I think as long as COVID-19 is going on, uh, you're going to have problems like this. And there are some interesting stories on, on both on several of the things that you mentioned. But over time, the longer it lasts, the more uh, firms are going to adjust in, in some way or another. And often it takes them time to research how, how to do it, or it takes them a little bit of time to figure out how to you know, have 17 people working on, on a floor that previously had 14 people working. But eventually they will do it because the prices are a signal to them that they need to be doing that and also a reward to them for doing so. Interesting that you mentioned that you have a hard time or harder time finding volunteers than you, you used to. Certainly private sector, ordinary businesses, the the pay or ordinary salaries for the for-profit world, they're also having a hard time. And they've even increased wages a bunch. And from their perspective, it's kind of like, you know, why aren't the workers showing up? There are still a lot of people out of work right now um, relative to how many people were working in 2019, and they're being offered more money and they're still not showing. And I think that shows that there's something that economists might call non-wage amenities or compensating differentials. And that's basically like a fancy word for things that you might like or dislike about your job other than the money. And for volunteer work for a nonprofit, you know, that's everything. You you do it because it's rewarding and you want to do a good thing. But you can imagine that probably a lot of uh, volunteer work has become more difficult or less pleasant in some way because of the virus. And also the issue of paper products that you mentioned, that that's a really interesting one because economists have a large uh, organization within the uh, federal government called the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and it tracks all sorts of things pertaining to um, what people are working in and for how much. And obviously, employment in most sectors is kind of down from the 2019 levels. But one area where it's up substantially is shipping and warehousing. There's lots of people moving boxes around uh, more than before uh, because more people are taking deliveries for stuff. But that is definitely putting a crunch on timber products. And there's another maybe demand side crunch happening there in that there's also a lot more demand for housing because people want to spend more time at home. And so they want larger houses. And that also puts demand for that kind of same uh, timber. So people were looking at that a lot during the spring and summer of 2021, and that's abated some, but it's definitely been a problem. Alan, you kind of mentioned that the economy just kind of has this way of rebalancing itself um, over time. 
have we have we encountered anything like this before where just this 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 massive shock to the system and how long it takes to rebalance or or are there are there like some built-in things to the economy that we've seen before where something has just kind of rebalanced itself naturally or or maybe you know labor has shifted in in a seasonally or something like that like i'm just trying to wrap my brain around uh you know how, how this how this plays out i think the only suitable comparison is essentially 1945 1946 it's that scale um it's like the same scale in terms of reallocating stuff in the economy as sort of the last winding down of world war ii obviously world war ii trumps it but if you look you know over the next 75 years after that changes in the economy were relatively modest compared to world war ii and COVID 19 and those are the things that required the greatest remobilization of resources and and changes in how, how we live so uh, a lot of economic statistics look really weird in 1946 a lot of them look really weird in 2020 and 21 and then there's kind of this huge period of moderation that lasted you know some people's whole lifetimes but we're living through a weird period right now, and I think we should just kind of let the price signals show what they're showing and understand that it might not be possible to do anything about them immediately. But over time, people are incentivized to change their production, change what, what they do in order to fit the new reality, however long that may be. Yeah, I think changing the uh, changing the production or changing what you do, that hits right at home for, for us as marketers, right? Because, you know, Alan, one of the ways that we're addressing this is, uh, is by thinking through ways to stay in connection with your end target for us as donors, like thinking of how to keep relationship with them. Uh, and so whether or not that's through an analog traditional means like direct mail, or if it's through a combination of other channels by mobile and by digital and by, uh, you know, other ways of connecting with them, basically thinking about how to in some ways, re-engineer uh, a path to getting to your same target. And in other ways, it's not necessarily re-engineering a path, but maybe it's simplifying a path of the way in which we're using products uh, that are uh, that are higher in demand right now to bridge that connection. So what you just said really hits home because that's the the space that we find ourselves as marketers right now is trying to navigate these uh, unprecedented moments and uh, and then stay focused on our target, which is building connections between donors and, and nonprofits. Right. The, the digital infrastructure has really held up and been robust to all of the problems we've had in a way that a lot of the physical infrastructure hasn't. And um, to some extent, you you want to change how you use your workforce and uh, have them essentially online a little bit more as we are right now and um, offline a little bit less. And uh, obviously there are some things that we're gonna miss, but there were also kind of some trends of people getting more and more online. I, I know I certainly interact with the uh, charities that, that I donate to, mostly online. Um, and I think that 
that trend was already there and probably is accelerating a bit. And uh, I'm sure you're seeing that in the data. That's exactly right. And, and we we use those words, the acceleration. There's an acceleration here of of many different things that have happened. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think that we considered that the acceleration of not only digital, but honestly, the acceleration of charitable support from people that had never supported before was a tremendous blessing over the course of 2020. And so, you know, uh, you're in the midst of you're seeing a boom for many organizations of new donors that are acquired. And so you're working hard to build loyalty with those people through all of your marketing means. And so, you know, uh, it's not that you're caught off guard, but you're not anticipating that in the midst of this, that there's going to be uh, shifts in the economy as such as to create supply chain issues and then, you know, drive you towards e- further evolving how you how you think. So what would you as our, our resident expert uh, and economist from your seat, what would you advise a nonprofit organization or a, you know, be it a for-profit organization, someone who finds themselves caught in the uh, in the storm right now around the supply chain, what would you advise them to do in the next few months? How do they, how should they respond? I don't think this is a scenario that, you know, perhaps the more conspiratorial minded people um, you might know will talk about where uh, hyperinflation starts, the dollar loses all of its value. You don't have to worry about that. You you can stay in uh, financial assets. You can stay in, in liquid stuff. Here's kind of the central problem that, that uh, you're facing right now. Yes, yes, you have more money. You have more donors. You're, you're doing well. But so is everyone else. And that comes from the unprecedented fiscal support. That's what makes this so different from the last recession. People in the Biden administration kind of looked back on how things went during the Obama administration. And they said, the key is getting more money out to people. And that would have allowed the 2010s recovery to go much faster. And so they've done that and they got a lot of money out to people, but it sort of means everyone has a lot of money at the same time. And obviously that is spurring a lot of job growth. We're getting much faster job growth than before. Obviously that's good for your balance sheet, but it means it's a little harder to get value for your money. And certainly if you're asking for a premium product and you're asking for it right now, there you might be in a pretty tough bidding war. So I think this is definitely the time to bargain hunt and definitely the time to be patient. Yeah, I completely agree with you on the the patience side. You know, I think that there's a there's an element to this that is thinking further in advance. And so while we can look at the the trends as you have pointed out and, and think about uh, where there may be some balance in sight, it still makes sense to plan further in advance be patient, be empathetic, and uh, and and know that we're we're all walking through it together. And like you said, the events over the last now two years, those have propelled us to a new space. So even as uh, we use words like recover, we're not going back to 2019. I, I don't think that we will see a reverse course 
on uh, on how we have become even more digitally savvy and digitally aware. I don't think that we'll see a reverse course on, on, on lots of elements like that. So I think that it's also about understanding uh, what that patience looks like and where we can still divert our marketing dollars to stay relevant with our, our tar- target audiences. Alan, we really appreciate your perspective. Uh, if someone were interested in the work that you do at Full Stack, uh, where would they where would they go? How would they get in touch with you? How do they learn more about uh, all the areas that uh, you and your team are are putting into your newsletter? The website is fullstackeconomics.com, all one word. You can also Google it. And I write there with Timothy Lee, and you can get it as a subscription newsletter straight to your inbox. Very cool. And we would encourage everyone to do so. Support the work of Alan and Timothy. And uh, Alan, we appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate you offering your perspective. And uh, and Ronnie, we're, we're, we're glad to have an economist in our, our uh, virtual Rolodex now. Absolutely. I you know when that's going to come in handy. I love economics. I, I, it's a secret passion of mine. So this is probably my favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how to respond to that. I, I feel like I, I want to say, Alan, he says that to everyone. He says that to everyone that's on, uh, but he doesn't. So, uh, no, it's it's fascinating stuff. We really we really are um, very uh, appreciative of, of you sharing your perspectives and uh, and your knowledge to help us continue to contextualize what's happening in our space uh, into the larger scale. So, Alan, thanks for being here today. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. All right. Well, uh, that's it for this episode. Uh, all the episodes of Group Thinkers are available on uh, on the RKD Group website. You can also check out our other resources there. Just uh, just get on over to rkdgroup.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. We'll uh, run it. We got a few more episodes uh, around the supply chain uh, to come. And so excited to continue this series. Um, so we'll uh, we'll see you all next time. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, visit rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests, but it's the marketing efforts behind Group Thinkers. Suzanne, Ronnie, and others for their work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers.